What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It's your host, Evan, and guys, yes, we are back again for the midweek episode. Great to be back. Um, I hope you guys are still enjoying the new year. We It is now, what, January 5th? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Uh, fifth day out, so we, we keep on going. We keep on going and grinding, and I, I must say, <laughs> I went to the gym today, and it was packed. It was packed the first time I went to the gym, which was, I believe, on Monday, uh, the third. Yes, but it was packed, guys. It was packed. I just want to see. Like, I want to see exactly how many people are committed to their goal because I am. I know I am. But how many people are going to be committed to their goal and staying consistent this year in hopes of achieving whatever they want to achieve going to the gym? But that's just my little spiel. I don't really matter. Uh, but I hope you guys are doing well. Hope everyone is having a great day so far. Hope everyone is continuing to grinding as usual. Listen, I always say this, man, continue to grind, continue to do your thing and continue to work hard because success is not given to those who are lazy. And I hope to not be lazy in life. <laughs> I really do hope so. Uh, but anyways, guys, let's get into it because yeah, I wouldn't say we have a lot to talk about today, but we have some topics. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about in a way. So, uh, but you know, I save the best topic, at least in my in my in my opinion, the best topic for this midweek episode, which is the NFL week seventeen recap. Yes, yes, indeed. We are gonna get started, and this time we're gonna start with my team, the New York Jets. And I must say, I am proud. I am very, very proud of my team and how we played, at least up until the last three minutes of the fourth quarter <laughs> but or maybe 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 two minutes two minutes say two minutes yeah but I'm proud of Zach Wilson he played good he took what the defense gave him he was able to make plays decisive throwing you know you can see the kind of confidence that he is gaining every week and he is looking like a franchise QB you know, still early still a rookie um but I just like the flashes that I have seen from him thus far since returning from that injury against um the Patriots and coming back against the Texans and people want to slag him off. Oh, this isn't this, this isn't that. Forget it. All right. Forget it. The, all that is bonkers right now because he is playing well. He's played well for about three straight weeks. And the best thing about what I like in terms of his game is he has not turned the football over. Now he has had some turnover worthy plays. I get that. But in the grand scheme of things, he has been playing well and the rushing game too has been doing his his job. Like I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I said this before last week, and I, I was like, I wonder how good our team can be offensively if we have a consistent rushing game that helps out our QB and makes plays easier for him, as well as opens up the whole playbook to help us win the game. And we, we saw last week that the Buccaneers opening game, opening drive, Michael Carter for about 55 yards. It was it was over that, and he did his job. Um, yeah, Johnson do his job. Tevin Coleman had some carries here and there. Austin Walter, who has been playing some good minutes in limited minutes, uh, I actually do like him for the future. I really do. I think that when when it gets to this point of the season and you're not really playing for anything, you're giving these players opportunities to trying to excel and make their name known. You know, they have the best chance right now. And Austin Walter, I would give him a call back next year. I would see if he could be a backup or maybe uh, a contributor, a, a key contributor to this team, but he's been playing well. Um, but, you know, we get an open and drive touchdown. Like I said before, Marco Carter had that 55 yard rushing touch. I mean, rushing gain um, early receiver drops are still an issue. And we do know this. I mean, come on. So I, I forget what drive it was, but we had one drive where, where, where we're driving, we're moving the ball pretty well. Keenan Cole on second and 10 drops the ball. A good outright, a good throw by uh, Zach Wilson. He drops the ball, and then on third and ten, we pump. We pump basically. We don't get the ball uh, past the sticks, and we punt. What a wasted drive! Um, and it's just a testament to how we do need to strengthen this receiver corps. We are injured at the moment, but we do need to strengthen this receiver corps in hopes of being better next season. Um, but could not stop the Bucks' offense early. We had no pressure on Tom Brady for the most part, in my opinion. Um, we had to really blitz to get pressure. We couldn't get pressure with our front four. DB struggled a lot in that game. A lot of blown coverages, a lot of uh, missed tackles here and there, um, yards after the catch. 
But despite all of this, fast forward, we have a 14-point lead in the game, and we blew it somehow. Like, how do we blow, how do we blow this game? How? I'll tell you how. Driving to ice the game, we're up 20 to 24 after the page. I'm sorry, pages. I took my time ready on the pages. After the Buccaneers drive, they are down 14 at that point. They get a, a fourth down conversion and a touchdown to Cameron Bray. Uh, who's, by the way, I believe he's open on that, but he's like almost wide open at that point. They get the touchdown. They're down 20 to 24. Now it's our turn. It's our turn to ice the game and to put the game away. Now we're driving. We actually had a good drive. I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was very surprised because I thought that we would blow this this game in a way that we wouldn't be able to move the ball, change field position in hopes of making it a little bit more difficult for Tom Brady to maneuver and win the game, which didn't really matter at that point, as we saw what happened. But, you know, we're driving. We're about to the, what, eight, five, you know, we're about to the the five-yard line, I believe. Yes. Fourth down. I am not against the idea of going for it on fourth down only because I know, and I, you know, I know, as a Jet fan, I know, and we all know, We've seen this time and time again where Tom Brady leads his team to a game-winning touchdown drive, a game-winning field goal drive, uh, you know, a game-winning, uh, a game-tying touchdown drive, whatever the case may be. It's happened in the past. So for all those pundits and analysts who are bashing us for going for it on fourth down, screw you because I think it was a good call. And we saw that, listen, I don't care if worst-case scenario, we take the field goal, he ties it, they can still go for two and win it. You never know. But they're still playing for, uh, you know, some things in the playoffs as well. So I don't think they will go for two at that point. But still, I like the idea of going for it to end the game off early. The play call was just terrible. That's it. It looks bad when you don't get it. It, it looks genius when you do get it. Okay? But the play call was just terrible. A QB sneak on fourth and two was I could not believe what I was watching. That was terrible. It's not like we have Josh Allen back there, Cam Newton back there. Um, Lamar Jackson back there who can get those yardage, especially on a QB sneak too. Like, I'm not even sure if that's a smart play to do with those guys anyway. But that wasn't the best call for me. We obviously don't get it, and the rest is history because Tom Brady – uh, so the biggest thing for me is the defense or, or the defensive calls at that point were pretty much mind-boggling to me. Um, I don't like the idea of letting playing, like playing coverage, letting him sit back because, like I said before – we got no pressure on Tom Brady. We had little to no pressure on Tom Brady. So when it comes down to the the last minute of the game, I think we should have had more blitz calls um, because he just sat back there. He was just sitting in the pocket, sitting pretty, and he just picked us apart pretty easy. And obviously we saw the game-winning touchdown to Cyril Grayson that ended the game, and I must say that was pretty much crazy. You know, we already spoke about the Antonio Brown situation um, he's, he's an embarrassment. Uh, I, I honestly don't believe he should be able to get another opportunity in the NFL. Who knows? Maybe he will. I don't think he should. And I do question the character and the values of a team that signs him in the future, possibly because th- what he did was just unforgettable. And I think that that should be the last straw for me, but you never know in the NFL. The NFL is all about third, fourth chances. So we'll see what happens, but the Jets lose at home. It was a good game. It was a good game. I think that if you would have went to that game, you would have felt okay coming out of the game. It wasn't a bad game, despite the Bucks not having some key players. Um, but, you know, the, you want to see Zach Wilson play good in that game. He did so. He took what the defense gave him. But in the end, the Bucks get the win on the road. Uh, Bills and Falcons. So congrats to Cal Pitts for eclipsing 1,000 yards for a tight end in his first season. That is a franchise record for a rookie in receiving yards. And second rookie tight end to do that. Second rookie tight end to do that. So the Bills, the Bills are so lucky. <laughs> the Bills are so lucky they faced a below average Falcons team because three turnovers on the day was not good at all. All right, we had a fumble, punt return, and it ends in a safety um, early on in the game. Uh, the Bills, so we had them going, getting going early. We had two rushing touchdowns. And it was surprising that the rushing game was there for them today because we know if you've been watching the Buffalo Bills that they do not like to run the football at all. But surprisingly, this game, they said, F it, we're going to run the football, use our good offensive line, and push back the Falcons, which is exactly what happened. Um, 
two rushing touchdowns by Josh Allen to put the Bills up 14 to two. Then we have a, a Ryan strip sack, and that pretty much uh, changes the game a little bit. On the day, though, by the way, guys, Bills had 233 rushing yards. 233 rushing yards. That's pretty damn good. It really is. Falcons drive, get a field goal, and then the Bills drive in. Allen gets a tip pick in the end zone. Um, you know, that pretty much is a bad turnover in, in a way. Falcons drive for a touchdown. Okay, now we're moving. We're getting points on the board. And then Allen gets picked for the second time. Once again, he overshoots his receiver. It's a bad play. It's a bad pick. I'm not sure what he was looking at on that play. Um, and then the, the Falcons. Falcons lead 15 to 14. Look at that. Third interception by uh, Josh Allen. The pass is deflected. So I will give him a little bit of, I won't give him too much uh, uh, slack for that. Like he, the pass was deflected. I get it. It, it happens sometimes. But the first two, pretty much for me, inexcusable. Um, Atlanta punts though. And the Bills drive for a touchdown, pretty much game is over. But I just wonder, where would the Bills be in this game if it was not for the rushing attack? Because let's say the Falcons neutralize that to the best of their ability. Let's say they give up only 100 yards rushing. This game is different. It really is. It's different in the way that now Josh Allen isn't playing the best, and you always have to rely on Josh Allen at least this whole season you've had to. So where do you get your points now? Where do you get your scheme? Where do you get your 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 ability to sustain drives? Because right now, the running game wouldn't be working, and Josh Allen is playing pretty bad football. But the running game was there. Falcons, who are not that good of a team and are already eliminated from the playoffs, you know, they don't really have that much to play for, but they still want to win. I assume they want to win. But the Bills at home get the win, 15-29, to 29, I believe, and the game is set and done. Now, Giants and Bears, first play of the game. First play of the damn game. What the hell? Glennon gets stripped, stacked, free rusher off the edge. No Giants office lineman accounts for him. Bam. Right then and there. Now, when you are, I, I, to be honest, like I'm not I'm not trying to bash Will's team here, but I think that the Giants are the worst team in the NFL right now as it stands. Like I think they are probably by far the worst team. By far. It's not all their fault. You know, Mike Glennon is playing. You know, but still. The way they've been able to play some of these games. I mean, the way you start on the road with a backup QB in Chicago against a pretty good solid defense, and you get strip sack on the first play of the game, you can't have that. Like, you just can't have that. It, like, after that, the game was pretty much over. In the first quarter. In the first quarter. So, you get an easy touchdown run by Montgomery. Second offensive series. Picked off. Picked off. All right? It's a bad day in the office already. A bad day. Don't really get the, the, the uh, decision to go for it on fourth down, uh, but it worked. And then we had a Mooney touchdown. You know, like the, the Chicago Bears, they're already, they're already um, you know, in the game, leading. They, they're having a good groove. Don't give the Giants any momentum to come back into the football game. Like, don't do that. All right? It, it worked, but if it didn't work and the Giants end up getting some momentum from that, stop then you look like a total idiot doing that, you know? But either way, it worked. He had a Mooney touchdown. Glennon got sacked four times on the day. Running game was there for the Giants, though. I will say that. 161 yards total, and Barkley had 102 yards of those. So that was pretty good. Um, a guy who hasn't been the best this season, inconsistent here and there. But fast forward, 17-3 to Bears. We get a safety, so it's 19-3. Okay, here we go. Congrats, by the way. Congrats. To Robert Quinn for uh, breaking the single season sack leader record for the Bears. Uh, Richard Dent was the one who held that record and at 18, uh, and he Robert Quinn broke that at 18, I believe. So not good for him. He's doing a, a great job, and he has been phenomenal this season. Phenomenal, my goodness. But as I said before, listen, man, like the Bears, it was it was too much. It was too easy for them too easy they didn't really have too much to do in the game the Giants just capitulated early gave up too many plays and it was all said and done so quickly in that game it wasn't even funny but the Bears got the win at home uh so this game right here I was pretty much proved wrong by this team I I'm sorry I will say I'm sorry because I thought that okay I'm not really sorry too much because I said that if the Bengals turn the football over maybe once maybe twice they won't win this game I also did say that 
this team is good enough to beat the Chiefs if they don't turn the football over, which they did not do. So credit to them, all right? But early on, we saw that the Bengals couldn't really protect Burrow. Uh, the Chiefs are up 14 early, and it's like, okay, now you're thinking to yourself, well, it might be one of those games where the Chiefs just show their dominance, take over the game early, and the other team or the opposing team won't come back in this game at all. But credit to the Bengals because they were able to pretty much climb out of the big hole that they dug themselves into with the punts, at least. And a big reason for that, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, have yourself a day, big boy. Have yourself a day. 11 receptions, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Wow. Wow. And if you want to look at the first touchdown, he basically gets a short curl route. He catches the football. And I can count one, two, three, four, five, probably six defenders in the vicinity of Jamar Chase. And not one of them is able to make a tackle on Jamar Chase. He sprints to the end zone and he pretty much changes the football game at that point on. Now, it wasn't all easy for the Bengals, okay, because um, they were still down at halftime, 28 to 17. But the Chiefs in the first half looked unstoppable. They looked pretty much unstoppable. And the second half was just totally different. Fast forward teams. Both these teams are looking good on offense. It's third and 27. Third and 27. Steve Spagnola, why? Why? Why would you do this? I mean, if you look at the way the game has been going all game long, you see Jamar Chase. Doesn't even doesn't matter who. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You cannot play this team man coverage, especially throughout the whole entire game. You cannot do that. You just cannot. And I get it. LeJarrius Sneed has been playing good football this year. He has been their best cornerback this year by far. And he has also been playing solid. Like, he's been consistent. But in that game, it wasn't his best game. That's one. And two, you can see that he was getting burned by Jamar Chase on every play pretty much. Pretty much every play he was burned. He made one good play aside from that, and the next play he got bad in the end zone. I mean, seriously, third and 27. Why leave your cornerbacks on an island and blitz on third and 27? And this is what I like about the Bengals. This team is not afraid to take shots. It's not afraid to say, our guys are better than your guys. And doesn't matter how far it is, we're going to throw the ball up. But we're going to give our, our receivers the best chance to make a play. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. You know, you blitz on, and you leave your cornerbacks on the island. And that's what happened. Okay. Zach Taylor. Decision to go for it on fourth down, very, very risky. But I like it, though. I do like it. Because if you look at the way the game was going, that game could have gone either way. The offense, like, the, that game was not meant for a defensive uh, output. It wasn't meant for a defensive score, uh, defensive plays being made here and there. So, and we saw that with the Chiefs and the Bengals. So, you want to be able to take your chance to ice the game as much as possible and to win it as quickly as possible. So. I mean, the Bengals had a little bit of luck here and there. They had some penalties on that that fourth down call, multiple fourth down calls. But uh, in the end, you know, not multiple, but like, you know, they had the, the penalties. Um, but they were able to at least run the clock a little bit down, get the game winning field goal, and then the rest is history. But I must say, good job by the Bengals because they have posed problems for the Chiefs in this game. And if they were to play each other in the playoffs, you can see that they won't back down from this team at all. And the Bengals, for me, they once again, they are one of the more balanced teams in the AFC for me. That defense, I don't, I, I don't want to give them too much slack because they were going up against a good offense in the Chiefs, who has found their mojo, by the way. Uh, but at home, the Bengals did their job, and as long as they continue to do that, they will be one of the biggest, 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 biggest contenders in the AFC. Uh, Dolphins and Titans. So, I called the Dolphins to win this game. I was definitely wrong. Uh, the Dolphins playoff push is definitely over at this point. And I must say, they look good early. Like, they really did. They were moving the ball well, intermediate passing, the good runs here and there. Surprisingly, the Titans were not up to it when it came when it came to stopping them on the run because the Titans are one of the best teams in the, in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run. Early on in the game, you saw that the, the, the Dolphins had their way in the rushing game. Uh, but what kept the Titans in the game at that point was the pressure. Defense line had a lot of pressure on Tua. Didn't make that many uh, throws down the field after that. And Dante, former. Foreman took over. Derrick Henry, who? 
Just kidding. Uh, don't forget about that. <laughs> Just kidding. Deccan is a is a as a guy. He's a man. He's a big man. All right. But this guy faced an eight man box sixty two percent of the time. It did not matter. It did not matter at all. And I do credit. I credit the offensive scheme that the Titans had in in, in terms of being able to still make it work. You know, like they are true to their game. We know that the Titans are going to run the football regardless. They are built to run the football, not built to pass the football at all. But credit to them, seeing an eight-man box. Eight-man box is heavy, guys. Like, eight-man box is not easy to run against. It's really not. But they did their job. Dante Foreman had a day. He had a day. And, you know, fast forward, we have a tour. Uh, tour turnover that was probably the one of the worst fumbles I've saw this I've seen this year. Uh, it basically just slipped out of his, out of his hands when he was passing. Ten nothing at that point. Dolphins ran the ball pretty well, as I said before. But you know, they were down by double digits. They kind of got away from that, and I'm guessing because they were down by double digits. <laughs> you know, uh, but at one point it was seventeen to three. The game is still very much in hand, though. It's still it's still very much in reach. Uh, but you had a Sanders missed field goal that pretty much set it off for the Dolphins. And the fourth and 11 down by 17, I don't think that's the best call for me. Uh, I know that your, your kicker just missed the field goal, but I would rather go with the route of taking the points, seeing giving your kicker another chance to get the field goal, make it 17 to 6. And, you know, the game wasn't totally out of reach. You maybe get a stop here and there, then you get a, a touchdown drive. Suddenly it's a one-score game, you know. So I don't really get the idea of going for it on fourth and 11. I'm not sure exactly why they did that. Um, and you can see that the points were hard to come by in this game as well, too. Titans get the ball, uh, pass at play action, which has worked all game, by the way. And, you know, you have a running attack that was pretty much unstoppable that whole entire matchup. So I get why the play action worked. And the Dolphins blow coverage. And Ferguson is wide open in the end zone, 24-3. And also, once again, big day on the running game by Hilliard as well, too on that last touchdown run. But in the end, it was just total dominance. Total dominance by the Titans. They did their job at home. Um, I was surprised at how badly and how poor the Dolphins were on the road. I expected better. But then again, you look at their run of games in which they won. The only good win was probably the Ravens. And, you know, you only play who's in front of you, to be honest. So you really can't say too much about that. But um, they faced a good team once again, and they got pummeled. Uh, so, you know, it's over for the Dolphins, but I must say at least for the morale booster, if you could win next week against the Patriots, finish, uh, the season over 500, then maybe, yes, it, it's, it's a good season. I have to give credit to them though, for despite the competition, winning the games that were in front of them and winning what seven straight, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, Colts and Raiders. So Raiders are still alive. Raiders are still alive. Look at that. Open and touchdown drive. By the Raiders, good job by them. Uh, Colts, Colts for me, they were really, really underwhelming in this game. Really underwhelming. So we get a, a pick early. Uh, Rogers uh, gets a pick on Derek Carr, who tries to force the ball deep to Deshaun Jackson. Colts do nothing with the ball. Okay, nothing exciting from the Colts' offense early on in the game at all. Uh, and on Sunday, uh, Raiders kept them in the game. Pretty much is what I'm trying to say here. Made a few plays. The defense did, uh, but in the end. You have a nice touchdown drive to cut the lead to 13 to 10 by the Colts. Good job by them. And this play right here is so, so, so really lucky. I don't know exactly how it happens. Carson Wentz rolling to his right, throws the football deep to the end zone. Two Raiders are back there. Two Colts receivers are back there. Somehow, somewhere, the Raiders DBs don't come up with the interception, and it lands in the hands of T.Y. Hilton for the touchdown off the rebound. Now, that play should have definitely been picked off. It was a, a turnover-worthy play. But they got bailed out. And then Carr. Carr throws a pick to Leonard. Uh, Darius Leonard, who makes a great play, undercutting the throw in the zone. Uh, he did a great job on that play. Uh, and the game is tied, basically, at 20. Now, here is where the money is made. Hunter Renfro. How many times have we been saying his name this season? He has been balling out this season, especially since uh, he has more reps and more focus on the offense. You know, since uh, Henry, Henry Ruggs is no longer there. You know, he's basically the lead receiver now. Darren Waller has been injured at times, too. So um, he makes a great play, a great a great catch, play, whatever you want to call it. Beast. Third and 10. The catch is absolutely great. Gets up and ran for the touchdown, but he was touched, so he was down by contact. But 
the Raiders end up getting a field goal on that game-winning drive, and the game is set and done. Also, I want to say to Zay Jones, have yourself a day. Have yourself a day, big boy. Man, eight receptions and 120 yards. Pretty good by Zay Jones. But in the end, Colts fall to 9-7. Raiders fall to 9 um, Raiders improve to 9-7. They are still alive. Now, if they win next week, oh boy, Raiders are in. If they win next week, Raiders are in. Despite everything they've gone through this year, Raiders are going to be in if they win next week. We'll see what happens. Pats and Jags. So, the first 50-burger of the day. Uh, Jags were in it in the first quarter. Okay, you had a nice throw to Laquan Treadwell. Um, but it's quickly turned on his head. 14-3 to at that point. T-Log gets the ball back. Throws high. When his receiver is open, I think he was trying to hit his, his running back out the backfield. Didn't work out. The ball is a little bit too high, but, you know, it's tipped and picked off. Um, and what I want to say about that play is, yes, the throw was high. The throw was maybe a little bit behind him, too. Uh, but catch the ball. Like, you know, he's a rookie QB, barely a QB out sometimes. Catch the football. Like, I don't get all this nonsense about, oh, you know, he had a lot of zip on the ball. Maybe he did. Maybe it's his job to take a little bit zip off the ball when he's that close to you. But still, catch the damn football. Catch it. Uh, and it got really ugly quick. So we had a J.C. Jackson pick off of T-Law, who basically, like, T-Law, he was staring him down the whole entire way. The whole entire way. J.C. Jackson, you don't you do not do that against an all-pro corner like J.C. Jackson. You, ju- you don't. You just don't. And then the more interceptions come, T-Law, similar play to last. Uh, doesn't see the linebacker. He just stares his receiver down the whole entire way. Linebacker undercuts it. And, you know, he gets to the one, punching for the touchdown. Patriots pretty much have their way in the football game. 50 points, you may, can't really say too much about that. Uh, the running game was there for them. The passing game was there for them. It was an easy win for them at all. And uh, Ramondre Stevenson, habits of a day, 107 yards, rushing two touchdowns, pretty good for him. Um, you know, the Patriots are clinched for the playoffs. They are in. 10-6 right now, good for them. And the Jags, I mean, what can you really say about the Jags right now? Did you really expect them to come into New England and beat the Patriots? Probably not. But at least maybe put up a better performance, maybe you could say. Don't think they would have anyway. Uh, moving on, Eagles and Washington. So we have a opening touchdown run from Jared Patterson. Okay, good for him. Eagles get the ball back, get stopped on fourth and two, and it's quickly 10 nothing. Now, what do good teams do, at least at this point, when they're fighting for playoffs? They put together some meaningful drives and get themselves back into the football game. Eagles put together a nice touchdown drive, cut the lead down to three. At that point, it's 16-7, fast forward. Eagles on fourth and goal. Fourth and goal, Scott gets in. And mind you, we have to look at the play that Jalen Hurts made to get him the ball. Like, he slipped on that play, handing the ball off to Boston Scott. It could have been a disaster play, but good uh, for Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, did have a good day throwing the ball as well, too. He was able to make a play on fourth and goal and change the game. Eagles cut the lead down, you know, and now at that point, Eagles have a good drive. They're leading 17 to 16 decision to go for it on fourth down. Um, and you can see that at least there's this trend in the NFL that a lot of these teams are going for it on fourth down. Now it's not three downs anymore. It's fourth downs, you know? So, um, you know, it wasn't a great decision for me still within one score. Uh, but in the end, you know, you're up 20 to 16 finally of the game. Washington is driving, we're driving, we're driving, we're getting in there. And then McLeod, diving interception by him to end the football game. That was great. What a play. I mean, what a play to keep the Eagles playoffs hopes alive. That was a great play by him. I just loved it, you know. But for the Washington standpoint, I want to say move the football pretty well in the game. I thought that they had a lot of uh, catch, short, short catches, and they run after the catch. A lot of those plays happening in the game. But in the end, they get the loss at home. Eagles are in the playoffs. Eagles are in the playoffs. Can you believe that? A team where I called and said that they would be probably the worst team in the NFC East this season, and they finished second in the division. Wow. I was wrong. But, damn, credit to the Eagles. I give credit to the Eagles and how they played this season. They played well enough. Uh, Rams and Ravens. Matthew Stafford, why? Like, why are you being so careless with the football? I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are you being so damn careless? We'll get into that in just a second. But Rams are the, are the drive. Matt Gay misses a field goal. 
Rams get the ball back, and then here's where we get into the situation where he just be so he's being so careless. I mean, he had a, a Chuck Clark pick six, and then we're having a, a good drive kind of in the way. We get the ball. He throws to Oda Beckham in triple coverage. Triple coverage, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, this team is down 10 nothing quickly against a Ravens team that was pretty much eliminated from the playoffs at that point on. Um, you know, Huntley lets the Rams back into the game, though, because he has an underthrown ball, which is intercepted, and the Rams end up scoring a touchdown drive, uh, uh, scoring a touchdown to Cooper Cup. Pretty good for them. Second half, Rams are driving, 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 get close to the red zone, and Matthew Stafford once again gets stripped, sacked, fumble, recovered by the Ravens. Too many plays. Too many plays. You're, you're giving up, Matthew. What is going on? All right. Rams down 14-19. I thought Higby was on this game and touchdown drive. I thought Higby fumbled. I really thought he did. I thought the game was over at that point. But he was down. Lucky for them. <laughs> you know? And then Ravens. So, we have two plays. Ravens on third and, what, third and one make a huge play. Huge, uh, outstanding play on Sonny Michelle. To force him back four more yards. It's not fourth and five. Now, here is where the money is made. And the Rams, we have Matthew Stafford hitting OBJ on fourth and five. Clutch. And then OBJ for the touchdown. Clutch. 20 to 19. The Rams are leading. And then Von Miller ends the game with a nice sack, pretty much. But I want to say this the Rams, more so, Matthew Stafford made this much more tougher than it needed to be. I mean, once again, going back to what I said last week, Matthew, you're not playing in Detroit anymore. This offense allows you to take calculated risk, take plays down the field. There's always going to be a play in this offensive playbook where there's going to be a, a shot deep. But, you know, so they're going to have chances to open up the defense and keep them honest. But stop with the, the dumb interceptions. Stop with the, the careless plays, the trying to be a hero. You don't have to be a hero in this offense. You don't. This team went to the, to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff at the QB. Like, you don't have to do all that. You can manage the game, and you are a better QB, in my opinion, than Jared Goff anyway. So you will always have big plays in this game regardless. But stop being so careless with the football, man, please. But Rams, once again, make it harder on themselves two weeks in a row, but they get the win on the road. You know, they were about to lose to the Vikings last week, about to lose to the Ravens this week. That is very surprising, very concerning. But I think that I'm comfortable in saying that as long as they don't turn the football over and play smart, this team will definitely, definitely make it to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Broncos and Chargers. So it's 10 nothing early. Um, fast forward, Broncos are driving in the red zone. And they try this Jet special. Forget, forget about the, the Philly special, the Jet special now, because <laughs> we've done that play about twice, maybe three times this season. So... They try the jet special. It doesn't work out. Um, the handoff, basically, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, you basically hand off to the running back in the shotgun. You hand off to the running back. He then runs to the left. You hand it off, or you pitch it back to the receiver who's running back to the right, and then the QB is supposed to be open in the end zone. Didn't work out. The, the receiver got pressured right when he got the football, and then I have to give credit to Drew Locke for making the catch, but still, it doesn't get in on about two yards out. That was pretty much it. Um... The Broncos do force a three and out, and then they muff a punt after that. Oh, my goodness. Not a great day in the office. At that point, it's 17-3 at half. But, you know, you can make a, a couple of plays here and there. You can get yourself back into the football game. Like, it, it, it could be possible. Same thing with the Dolphins and the Titans. A couple of plays here and there gets you back in. It's not out of reach yet. But the Broncos, I feel like they gave up in that game. Andre Roberts, we all know that he can run the football. He can run when it comes to returning kicks. 101 kickoff return, and that pretty much set it off. You know, once again, though, I must say, Drew Locke played very well. Not very well, but he played, he, I think he played very well. Actually, no, he did play very well. He, he played good enough to win the game, in my opinion. You, you make a, a couple of plays here and there, it's a totally different game for me. But, you know, it's a little bit too late for us to give some consideration for Drew Locke to be named the QB for the future for the Broncos. I think they're obviously looking in a different direction right now as it stands. But for what it's worth, if he has any aspirations of playing again on another team, maybe as a backup, maybe as a starter in the future, you never know. These two games are meaningful for him. They are. But the 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 Chargers, same thing with the Patriots, pretty much had their own way, had their way on the rushing game, had their way in the passing game. Justin Herbert, 
you have a chance now to make it to the playoffs next year. I mean, next week, if you win your last game. Now, let's see what happens. But they did a good job at home getting the victory. And the Broncos D wasn't up to it. That's what I could say. They did. They just were not up to it at that point. Seahawks and Lions, a 50-burger again. Here we go. Another game where Rashad Penny looks good. RB1? RB1? Guys, let's just take five seconds to think about that. RB1. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> you know, because you look at uh, Chris Carson. Yes, he is a good, probably great running back, maybe great running back when he's healthy. But he cannot stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. And Rashad Penny looks the deal. He's a big boy. He's a big boy running that football, okay? So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think the Seahawks should go into the season next year with an option of uh, competing for the running back one spot between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, uh, depending on, you know, who's on the team. Because, listen, Rashad Penny can run the football. He has proved that the last two weeks, especially when called upon, he has done his job. And once again, he had a great day in the office. Um, he did his thing against the Lions. The Lions had no answer for him at all. No answer for him at all. 170 yards rushing, two TDs. And he's not a, a fast running back, but he's shifty, though. He's shifty, and he's able to run physical in that backfield. Now, um, I'm going to raw St. Brown. Have yourself a day, too. Did his job. Did his thing. Um, 111 yards, one TD. Did his thing on the ground, too. He had a rushing touchdown that opened up the game for the Lions. Um, DK Metcalf. I must say, going into that game, once again, I didn't think that he would be a factor in because we've seen time and time again this season that it has not been working out between him and Russell Wilson with the connection. It's more so been Tyler Lockett, and now recently has been Gerald Everett. But DK on a double move touchdown was great to watch. It was great to see too. Did his thing. He had two touchdowns on the day. Tim Boyle throws a pick after being after fumble snap. Um, so. You know, he's just trying to make a play on that play right there. But, you know, the receiver is really blanketed. He's really covered. Didn't really work out for him on that play. Uh, and the Seahawks, like the Chargers, like the Patriots, had their way. Rushing the football, throwing the football, had their way. Okay. Russell Wilson, for what it's worth, was efficient in that game. 20 of 29, 236 yards and four TDs. And Tim Boyle had three interceptions. Damn. Was not the best way to go out. But in the end... The Seahawks, I mean, if you want to feel good about yourselves, you can. 6-10 and 10 this year, but you put up 51 points, though. That's pretty good. Really entertaining. And I must say, the Lions, too, give them credit because they've had this mentality all season long where they don't break too much. Um, they want to fight back into games. And for some aspects of it, they made the game pretty much entertaining. Uh, 29 points scored. Uh, but, you know, in the end, they get blown out pretty much. Uh, Texans and 49ers. So not much in this game aside from uh, the defense making plays early. That wasn't the, that was pretty much what it was. Uh, Lance gets picked off in the second quarter by Desmond Ken, who was having a good season, by the way. He has been great in man coverage. And, you know, for the what it's worth for the Texans, he has been one of their best players this year. Okay. Texans surprisingly capitalized uh, seven to nothing back of the end zone. Brandon Cooks. Okay. Here we, have, here we go. Now it's seven to three. And then Mills throws a very, very, very bad pick. Receivers blanketed. It's not even open in the play anymore. Like I'm, not even, I'm not sure exactly why you would throw that football. I don't know why you would. Um, but you know that pretty much gets the 49ers going in that game. It does, you know, because uh, uh, and also by the way, on that play before I go on, uh, the DB after he gets the pick, he fumbles. <laughs> he fumbles. He fumbles. But the ref calls forward progress, and that was just so mind-boggling and stupid to me. Because why would you blow the whistle so early? Why would you? You know, and that and the Texans covered recovered that ball actually, by the way. So that's why it was so important. So you know, it was just something to me that I thought it was kind of a little bit uh, stupid to see. Um, but you know, uh, we have uh, Niners touchdown uh, ten to seven at that point. Te- Texans get the ball, they drive. Mills gets sacked. Fairburn misses the field goal from forty five. Then the defense pretty much held the Texans in check after that touchdown drive. It really was nothing else from them from that point on. And I must say, Trey Lance looked pretty good in that game as well, too. Aside from the pick, which was a good play made by um, Desmond King, um, but aside from the pick, he looked well composed. And you see this different element that he brings to the offensive game plan 
than Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it be running the football, running outside of the pocket, um, having an arm, a deep arm, made a, a deep throw to uh, Debo Samuel to have a touchdown on that play. It was good. It was good for them. Now, if they win next week, they are in. So, you know, whether or not it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, you need to win that football game. You need to. But I like what I saw from Trey Lance. He did okay. He did okay. Um, Cardinals and Cowboys. So this was the Cowboys' chance once again. But too many, uh, I guess you could say, mistakes that cost them the football game. So we have a Greg Zerline missed field goal. Uh, you know, you get caught out on a fake punt. And by the way, the receiver made a great play on that. Like he made a great catch. I'm not sure that that catch was definitely in the highlights for the Cardinals and Cowboys game because that was exceptional. I mean, falling down on his back, the ball is pretty much pinned on the the DB, and he just goes up and gets it. Antoine Wesley, have yourself a day again, once again, guys. Two touchdowns, go up and get it. One of them was a go up and get a touchdown. Listen, early on it's ten nothing. Boys are driving, Cowboys are driving. Get a a gallop touchdown. A great throw by Dak, who actually did not play well for me that whole entire game. Um, but, no, that was a good throw to the touchdown pylon. Michael Gallup, unfortunately, had lost uh, to an, a tour ACL, and he will not be returning this season. Obviously, it's one more game left, but the playoffs, at least. He won't be, he won't be returning for the playoffs. Um, defense made a couple of plays to get the offense back into the game. At that point, it was 14-19. Dak fumbles. Dak fumbles on a good drive. Cardinals got the ball back, and that pretty much said it all. It was 25-14 at that point, uh, get a field goal. Cowboys, a quick drive here and a quick two-point conversion. Cut the lead to 25-22. to Okay, now here we go. We need to stop. Here's where the money is made. Questionable call, a very, very, very questionable call because it's obvious that when the Arizona Cardinals are trying to ice the game, Chase Edmonds fumbles the ball inbounds, but the refs ruled him down by contact. And unfortunately, the Cowboys did not have a timeout to challenge that play. Now, in a situation like that, like I think the refs have to rule a fumble. They have to. Because any like all turnovers are reviewed anyway. So why not call it a fumble as it is? And if it's not a fumble, then you reverse the call. Simple. But because he made the call on the field. It's not a turnover anyway at that point. And it's it's too late for the Cowboys to challenge it. No timeouts. Unfortunately, they lost on the bad play right there. But, you know, they lost for many reasons. But that was just one of them. Um, you know, and Kyler. Kyler Murray is still undefeated in that stadium. Still undefeated. He said after the game that he just wants to go home and win. Like, he never wants to lose at home. I get you, my boy. I get you. That was a good win for the Cardinals on the road. Cowboys, once again, this was your chance to submit, solidify yourself as a real contender for this te- for this year, for this season. And against a good Cardinals team, you couldn't do it at home. Both teams are 11-5, and maybe they might meet in the playoffs, so maybe they might get another shot, another crack at each other. But, you know, first, first blood drawn to the, to the, uh, the Cardinals. Uh, so we have the Panthers and Steelers. A lot of field goals in this game. So we have a Chuba Hubba touchdown early on. And then, you know, Saints sacked Donald five times in this game. Five times. Uh, also want to say that Callaway, Marquez Callaway played good. And if he can assert himself as the number two receiver behind Mark Michael Thomas when he comes back, and then that would be a big boost for this offense because he made a lot of uh, deep uh, t- a lot of deep catches on, you know, the plays made by Taysom Hill, the throws made by Taysom Hill. Um, and he did a good job this game. So, if he can do that, then I must say they have a chance to really have a good receiving core next year. Maybe get another receiver in to help out with the depth. But, you know, Marcus Callaway, he's doing a good job so far this season, at least. Um, fast forward to the fourth quarter, because as, as I said before, nothing much going on in this game. Uh, you know, defense making some plays here and there, pretty much. A bootleg touchdown to Kamara, uh, and that puts the Saints up 18 to 10 at that point. Panthers need a touchdown. And Donald gets sacked twice. O-line did not do a good job at holding up. We had a free runner on one play. And then we had a Cam Jordan sack. Pretty much unblockable at that point. But, you know, that was it. Donald interception ends the game. Saints. Surprisingly, the Saints are still alive in the playoff mix. Need to win next week. And they need a 49ers loss to clinch a playoff berth. Packers and Vikings. So, Sean Mannion did not look that bad. He didn't. 
You know, he didn't look bad. The Vikings were in this game early. Let's be honest here. They, they were in the game early. He made a couple of plays to the tight end, um, you know, but it wouldn't take long for this Packers offense to get going, especially if you don't score points too. Devontae Adams, have yourself a day, big boy. Have yourself a day. 11 receptions, 136 yards, one TD. Also, Aaron Jones on the ground did a good job too. Eight carries for 76 yards. Um, you know, I like Zimmer's confidence though because I say this, he's going on the road in a game where it's it's cold to play. And by the way, it's it's a division rival. My 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 alarm to write articles, guys. By the way, <laughs> but you know, moving on, it's a division rival. You just beat this team, by the way, early on in the season. But the confidence to be able to go for it on fourth down a couple of times with your backup QB. I like that a lot because it says that we want to win this game regardless. We trust you to make the play. And, you know, the defense was not going to hold up against that Packers offense anyway. So, you know, need to score points. Need to score points. Uh, but Sean Manning did not have a running game to lean on. It wasn't that much. They were down by double digits. I get it. So they don't really have that much time to run the football anyway. But still, uh, the Vikings lose on the road, and they are pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. The Packers, 37-10. And they are now 13 and 3. Good job by the Packers. Last but not least, the Browns and the Steelers. So Big Ben's last hoorah. Last game for Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Can you believe that? Wow. After all this time. So I called the Browns victory, which I was terribly wrong. Uh, and the team as a whole played pretty bad. Uh Baker did not look good in that game at all, but he was sacked nine times, though. Not all of it is his fault, but he was sacked nine times. And that could be because of the protection. That could be because of him holding the football a little bit too long. But in the end, you know, I want to go back to how TJ Watt dominated that whole entire game. And you, I, I just question, I just question Stefanski and how he was able to manage that football game because you're putting a, a, a right tackle by himself on an island. I believe a rookie right tackle at that point too, on an island with the best pass rusher so far this season. And you didn't do anything to help him. No tight end helping, no chip, no you know, plays running on the other side of the football. Like, what is going on here? Where is the game plan? Where is the offensive game plan for that? It's terrible. Terrible. Now, second quarter, Steelers are up 17-0. Baker throws a dumb interception, like a really dumb interception. I don't get it. Like, he's trying to hit People's Jones on the crosser, but he had Njoku wide open on the crosser as well, too. What the hell are you doing? Throw the ball to him. He's wide open. Like, guys, seriously, it's so frustrating to watch sometimes the player Bacon Mayfield. And I'm a guy who's actually stood up for Bacon Mayfield in the past, but he has been proving me wrong. Damn. (laughs) Proving me wrong. All right, so I thought the Browns would actually run over the Steelers, which they did not. Uh, They got away from the game early on with the running game. I'm not sure why, because... Uh, Nick Chubb was having a good day running the football early on, and somehow, somewhere, the game was still in reach, but they went away from that part. And you know, for the Browns fans who I've heard in the past say that this game is meaningless anyway, like, doesn't matter. Do you want to do like, do you want to win the football game or what? Do you want to win? Like, the pride is still there for the players, so do a favor and run the football, your bread and butter. But as I said before, they got away from that. And the Steelers, the Steelers somehow, someway effectively ran the football well with, you know, Najee Harris back there. Have yourself a day, big boy. Have yourself a day. And the idea that he has a 1,000 yards behind this terrible off the line this year is insane to think about. But he had, uh, you know, he did his job. He had 188 yards rushing. Can you believe that? One TD. That was insane. Insane rushing by Najee Harris. Insane. So, uh, fast forward, we have... 10 nothing at that point. Big Ben threw a bad pick as well, too. But, you know, it was at the end of the half, and the receivers pretty much blanketed. I'm not sure what he saw in that play. Um, Browns cut the lead to 7-3, to and Joku go up and get a touchdown. Best sequence of the day after the Browns pretty much are done at, with this game. And, you know, the after Najee Harris' long-run touchdown to ice the game, best sequence of the game comes with the Steelers getting a pick and Big Ben taking a knee. That was the best sequence of the whole entire game. And, you know, it was a nice moment to have, a nice moment for the crowd, a nice moment for him. And I'm sure that it meant a lot to him to take that knee because I'm not sure if he thought he would be able to take a knee after the Browns' possession. But, you know, it happened. It was a good moment to see. But 
somehow, somewhere, the Steelers are still alive in the playoffs. I cannot believe this, but they are alive. But right now, I think it's kind of unlikely for them to get in. They would need for the Colts to lose in Jacksonville. We have, they have actually struggled to play in the past, but I'm not sure that the Colts lose this time. And the Steelers would need to win, and they would need something regarding the, the, the Raiders and Chargers game. A lot of things, a lot of scenarios. But, you know, anyways, Steelers are still alive despite all of that. Now, guys, you know, I just say that Bacon Mayfield, he just tried to do too much this season. Like, he tried to do too much. Maybe the contract extension was on his mind. Maybe the, the money was on his mind, but he just tried to do too much for me. And speaking of a guy who tries to do too much, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. So the Lakers were reportedly trying to trade Russell Westbrook covertly. He has some covert interest, which means secretly. They realized that they messed up. <laughs> They realized that they messed up and they tried to trade Russell Westbrook. Oh my goodness. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Okay, well, you know, that's your fault. And listen, I was one of the guys that said I, I was interested in seeing how this move would work out. But you know, it, it hasn't worked out. And for what it's worth, Russell Westbrook has, you know, averaged 19 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, 1.2 steals a game, but he's also averaged 4.6 turnovers. 3.1 fouls, shooting 30% from the three, uh, 65% from the free throw, and overall 45% from the field. And also, by the way, last night was his first time having uh, a zero turnover game since 2016. What? Like, can you believe that? This guy has had a, a turnover every game since then. Like, I can't believe it. I just can't. And it's not all his fault. Like, it's not all his fault. But the Lakers have had injuries, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. You know, the, the the supporting cast hasn't been playing the best sometimes. Very inconsistent on defense. It's not all his fault. But I just thought it was kind of surprising. Not really surprising. I thought it was kind of interesting to see that they were trying to right their wrongs and trade Russell Westbrook. But, you know, his contract is so massive. It's such a big thing that no one is taking Russell Westbrook on their team right now, especially with that massive contract, especially with all the money due to him. So, Lakers... You have to ride out the season with Russell Westbrook. You have to see exactly if you can win a championship with him, which is possibly is looking more unlikely as the games go by. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love this. But in the end, um, Lakers, let's see what happens in the future for you know this team. It's still, I would say it's early right now. Like you are who you are right now. But anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can be changed. So you never know. All right, guys, let's get into our rapid fire predictions and our recap for the NBA for last night's action. So first on this list, Kings and Lakers, LeBron James took over that game. Damn, damn, damn. Uh, so we had 31 points from LeBron James, Malik Monk, who has been a steady contributor for this team as well to 24 points, 19 from Russell Westbrook, you know, 14 and 19 off the bench from Dwight Howard and 19 from Taylor Horton Tucker. But LeBron James iced the game late. Um, I must also say that the call, if you didn't watch the game, basically it happens where a call is played, a call, I mean, they, they basically run the clock, right? So you have a miss, a miss, uh, free throw by Lakers. And then Darren Fox gets the ball. That doesn't touch the ball at all. He lets the, the ball roll. All right. And the clock runs. It's not supposed to run when the ball is not touched, but the, the refs, uh, they they don't they don't let they don't put the the time back on the clock, and also they call a jump ball, which infuriates the head coach, infuriates the whole entire team. It was a bad call by like for me. It was pretty much like stupid at that point. I don't know exactly why you don't put the clock time back on, but you know that wasn't the reason why they lost. It was only part of the reason why they lost. But if you're counting, Darren Fox had 30 points, uh, 14 from Harrison Barnes, 11 for Damian Jones. And 26 off the bench from Buddy Hill. But in the end, Lakers are finally above 500 for the first time in a long time. 20 and 19. And the Kings fall to 16 and 23. Grizzlies and Cavs. Oh, my goodness. What a game. What a game. John Morant. John Morant, a clutch bucket in the end. Uh, he had 26 points. Uh, 22 points from Jaron Jackson Jr. 11 points from Desmond Bain. By the way, it wasn't his best shooting night, but he has been playing well all season long. 13 off the bench from... Brandon Clark, 12 off the bench from Trey Jones, and 10 from Zaire Williams. But in the end, oh, sorry, Tyus Jones. I'm not sure why I say Trey Jones, Tyus Jones. But for the Cavs, though, 27 points from Darius Garland, 
17 from Evan Mobley, 22 from Jared Allen, and 13 from Lamarkening. Lamarkening, uh, I like to call him Lamarkening. His name is Lloyd Lamarkening, but I like to call him Lamarkening. You know what I'm saying? But in the end, um, the Cavs, it was a hard-fought game, but the Grizzlies are just a better team. Like, they are. Right now, they're playing some good basketball, and I was surprised. Very, very surprised, but they are proving me wrong at the moment, and they improved to 25-14. and 14. Cavs fall to 21-17. and 17. Uh, moving on, Spurs and Raptors. Raptors get the blowout win at home. Okay, so what do we have here? 33 points from Fred Van Vliet, 21 from Gary Trent Jr., 18 points from Pascal Siakam, 14 from Ananobi, and 11 from Scott Barnes. Every starter scored in double figures. And off the bench, 10 from Precious Achua. I just want to say my boy Precious Achua because he is a former Heat player. So, you know, kudos to him. But for the Spurs, 15 from Vassal, 19 from Paul Yacopurdo, uh, 12 from uh, Devin White. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the uh, Derek White. He, he been messing the names. I'm not sure why. But it wasn't the best shooting performance from the team, um, only 43%. Uh, and they just got outrun by the Raptors. Raptors are 517-17. Spurs fall to 14-22. Pacers and Knicks. So the Knicks do their job and get the win at home. Okay, so 32 points from R.J. Barrett. 30 points from Julius Randle, who was in his bag last night. So both these players shot 12 for 20 and actually had a great, efficient shooting night. 14 points from Alex Burks and 11 off the bench from Emmanuel Quickly. And for those who are counting, 15 from DeMontis Sabonis, 17 from uh, Washington, Duan Washington, 22 from my guy, Kiefer Skikes, who, by the way, watching the game, watching the highlights of him play, he had a nice showing offensively. Like he could he could solidify himself and make a name for himself on either this team or one of the NBA rosters because he had a nice night. He really did. And when it comes to these opportunities to make yourself known, you have to take them. Like you have to grab hold of them and take them. And he did just that last night. So kudos to him for scoring 22 points uh as a starter too. 38 minutes played too. And also efficient shooting too. He wasn't doing this with AF24, AF16 shooting. Very efficient. 15 off the bench from Torrey Craig. But next, 18 and 20 on the season so far. Pacers are 14 and 24. Nice, nice, nice. Suns and Pelicans for the last game of the night. So we had, okay, so Bismack Biombo has been playing well. <laughs> Might I say that he has been playing well. And I'm not sure if it's just him playing well or if it's CJ, I mean, CJ, uh, Chris Paul, CP3, making him play as well as he is right now. But once again, 16 points. He made all his buckets. He made all his buckets. 16 points, six of six shooting, six rebounds. That's pretty good. All right. For the starters, we had 23 points from Mikel Bridges, 33 from Devin Booker, 11 points from Chris Paul, um, 18 from Cam Johnson, and 12 from Jalen Smith. But, you know, Bismack Biombo. I mean, like, right, right now they have JaVale McGee. Right now they have De- uh, DeAndre Ayton. You're not taking the the eight spot, but Javale McGee, you better watch out. You better watch out. And for the Pelicans, 25 points from Valachunas, efficient shooting for him. 28 points from the, uh, Devontae Graham, did his his job. Uh, 15 points from Josh Hart. 16 points from Brandon Ingram as well too. Once again, did not have the best night shooting, but you know he eats one bad performance. And in the end, at home, the Pelicans fall to 13 and 25. Suns. Still on the good streak, 29 to 8 on the season. And now, time for our rapid predictions for the tonight's matchup. Heat and Trailblazers, I'll go Heat, Pistons, and Hornets. Hmm. Hornets, 76ers, and Magic, I'll go. Hmm. See, Magic actually played a good game against the Bulls last time I'm out. But I'll go, I'll go Philly. I'll go Philly. Rockets and Wizards, I'll go. Hmm. Wizards, because Rockets are on a bad streak right now. Spurs and Celtics. Give me the Celtics. Nets and Pacers. First game for Kyrie back. Oh, my goodness. Pacers, beware. Nets. Give me the Nets. Kyrie to score plus 15 points. <laughs> plus 15 points. I'm going the over for that. Uh, Warriors and, and Mavericks. Give me the Warriors. Raptors and Bucks. Hmm. Give me the Raptors. Give me the Raptors. Thunder and, and Timberwolves. Give me the Tims. Jazz and Nuggets. Give me the Nuggets. No, actually, no. Give me the Jazz. And last but not least, Hawks and Kings, both teams with similar records, give me the Kings. 
And now, guys, that wraps up the episode. That wraps up the NBA scoreline predictions. Make sure to tune in and see if I was right. And, guys, I just want to say thank you for tuning in for this episode. Thank you for listening to the end of the episode. No, it's one minute. Side to side lines is one hour. But we did our job, and we broke down the game. That's all you could pretty much ask for. And, you know, continue to grind, continue to support MBS, continue to support me and my guy, Will, and we will catch you guys soon. Everyone be safe, and I am out.